and welcome back to Box Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic round table of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Monica. Just Monica. Monica's the only one who showed up as a co-host. Hey, Monica. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, the only reason I'm here this week, Mav, is because it's been a few weeks, and I felt like Aww. I should <laughs> remake an appearance so that people remember but I'm still the newest co-host. I wonder if uh, it's been a few weeks if we run the shows in order. It's also possible, depending on what order we ran the shows and that you were on last week. So I, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. But um, yes, you still you are still here. And this is a show that you are totally excited for, right? You are absolutely a massive Dune fan, right? <laughs> Jury is still out. I'm kind of hoping that our guests this week can talk me into liking Dune a little bit more. Uh, you know, okay. maybe I was too harsh in my judgment, and there are things that I didn't see because I didn't read the books. And my, uh, I have not watched the David Lynch film, which I heard I might like more because it's gayer. Uh, so- it is gayer. It is absolutely gayer. <laughs> I, can, I can verify that. It is absolutely gayer than the other than, than this movie. Um, we have we have laughing happening in the background. I'm gonna, we've had, so we have three guests today. So I'm going to introduce them um, because they're all uh, previous guests of the show. So like you know, none of them need a big long uh, long introduction. You're all you know actually frequent guests at this point. But we got Mike Chimmers is back. Hey, Mike. Hello, Mav. Thanks for having hey. me. Of course. Natalie Shepard Bodine. Hey, Nat. Yo. <laughs> and and Nicole Freem, all returning. And Nicole. Hey, Mav. So you are all people who were actually excited for this movie. And I, I should say, I should qualify this. Um, I was excited for the movie because I, not so much that I'm a Dune fan, I'm more of a Denny Villeneuve fan. Um, so I was excited about that. And I it was like, okay, Dune, that could be interesting. And just as far as our other co-hosts go, Wayne was excited but couldn't be here. Katya, I think, actually enjoyed it but couldn't be here because uh, either. And Hannah um, was much in Camp Monica. <laughs> I think it was just like, oh, do we have to? So <laughs> um, I think she was excited about the concept of Dune, but like, you know, didn't care enough to um, to you know, watch it in time for us to record this episode, which is already two weeks after it's come out. So um, it's a big media franchise that people have been waiting for this film for 25 years, 35 years, something like that. When when was the David Lynch film? Mike, you know, probably uh, 87. I, was I think it's like 84. Oh, I thought it was 84. I thought, it's a while ago. Oh, <laughs> it's been, well, but 30 84. plus years. Okay, so 30, oh, more than 30 years. Um, and I mean, so you guys who've been waiting, what'd you think? <laughs> I just think that, uh, Mav, that your cold, dead heart, which is just capable <laughs> Of appreciating anything more sophisticated than Riverdale is um, that's, that's is not fair. Has, has that's not fair. I way. appreciate lots more sophisticated than Riverdale. I'm I'm also a big fan of Fast and the Furious. It's very you know. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like a low blow. Not <laughs> <laughs> bar to cross. Yeah, I, I mean, I can regale you. Uh, of, I can regale you of the of the intricacies of Manimal if you'd like. Um, but 
Well, now there, there, you and I are in full agreement. But um, Dune is a is a is a sweeping sci-fi epic. Its grandeur is matched in the annals of writing only by something like Lord of the Rings. Um, it's a uh, it's a colossal colossal novel about spirituality and environmentalism, uh-huh. and it's uh, and it's 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 shaped generations of thinkers. Okay, it's just you know. <laughs> Which I have to say is is why I did want to be on this particular episode, because I love Lord of the Rings. I'm a giant Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I love the idea of like massive world building. But for me, there was just this like giant disconnect between the amount that I thought I would love Dune, given that reasoning and the amount that I didn't love Dune. And that's why I was like, someone's going to have to explain to me why. And I also like I like art film. I like that this isn't Star Wars. I like that this is not the action movie that probably a lot of audiences thought they were going to sit down for. But again, we're, I, I, why are all the pegs not connecting? Someone help. Someone help <laughs> well, I want to be clear. I actually like Lord of the Rings, too. I, I like Lord of the Rings a lot. I would have edited it down to like a tight 133 minutes and maybe, you know, made it animated. You know, because then it would have been great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm also I'm not actually as big a sci-fi fan as I think people probably think I am. I don't hate sci-fi. I just, you know, I like what I like. And this was fine. I, I wanted to like Dune a lot and I did not hate Dune. I'm not like going to like shit all over this thing. It was like, oh, this was a fine way to like, I guess I spent like, you know, what was it? Like eight hours? Um, no, <laughs> it, was, it, felt, it felt long. It was, it, this was, this was a slow cut movie. I would, I could have cut 30, you know, give me, give me some time in the editing room. I could have cut a good 30, 35 minutes out of this film easily. You know, and I, you know what though, <laughs> as much as we're, we're doing a little comparisons here, I did spend the whole time being like, this is what the Hobbit should have been. Hobbit should have been a long travelogue in which we had a lot of close-ups of food and we spent a little bit you mean more the most time. Recent Hobbit. Yeah, like we should have spent a okay. lot more time on the environment. We should have spent a lot more time on, you know, all of our dwarf songs. And instead we got the, the trash love triangle throwing Orlando Bloom back into uh, <laughs> The Hobbit. And and so there was a sense in which I was like, I actually really enjoy this narrative style. But then maybe it was just like, there's so much sand. There's so much sand that I feel trapped inside a cinder block. Because oh, all I'm staring at is, is cinder block production design trapped by more more cinder blocks on top of slow storytelling. <laughs> it just I was just crushed under the weight of all of the sand until I was one with all of the worms. Before we come back, to, I just want to get, make sure we get the other takes. Um, uh, Nicole, what'd you think? <laughs> you want to cover that? <laughs> First of all, I have to admit that I own a special edition of the 1984 Lynch version. Uh-huh. Not because I think it's a masterpiece of filmmaking, but I mean, it's fun in its own way. I mean, it's, it is, uh, you might like it, okay. but you know, I mean, come on. Yes, yes, that is that is what I was thinking of. Yes, um, I if think, you, 
I read reviews of this one um, before I, you know, before watching it. And a lot of people were saying it's so slow, sort of like you saying, couldn't we edit this down? And so on the one hand, as someone who, who loves literature, I can appreciate the, I want to get as much of the book in there as I can. I want to be faithful to the material. But at the same time, you're right. It did. It bogged things down. And mm-hmm. and we know that there's a part two They're They're working on part two. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there you go. But when you have more of the action in part two, it. it, it yeah. Yeah. So I, I can see both sides of this. I can, sure. I can appreciate that. Um, I can appreciate trying to be faithful to the material at the same time. You're yeah, you're right. It, it could have been could have been a little bit more quick. I mean, it's it's 156 minutes and you know, there's going to be a director's cut where they put another 30, 35 in, you know, you know, you know, that's going to happen. Right. So it's, well, it's a lot. I mean, Logistically speaking, right. Roughly translated a page of screenplay equals a minute of screen time. Yep. That's sort of the rule of thumb, right? Yes. Well, if, if, the the class, book, yes. if the original book is over 400 pages, mm-hmm. this was half, right. I mean, you can see, like I said, I, I can see how he's trying to really, it's more sort of a love letter to the book. You know, he loves this book. As opposed uh-huh. to, I'm going to make something that's going to pull in all the people who who haven't read the book and hook them and set them up because they're like there's like another five or you know five or six books. I mean, uh-huh. I don't remember exactly. I know Herbert wrote some, and then his son wrote some. But I, I think Herbert wrote six. I don't know how many are come after him. Herbert wrote six, and then there's a there's a, a deluge of garbage after that. <laughs> Sorry. I have not gotten into the deluge, so I, I can't speak to that. <laughs> Nat, what about you? You 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 clearly like this enough to like be like, can I write a guest blog so that I can so that we can do a show on 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 Dune? And we're like, sure. So what do you think? Um, so to be clear, I don't actually like Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that out there. Um, I have read every book. I've seen the Lynch movie, the sci-fi miniseries. I've I've read the comics, and I've obviously seen the new movie. And it is only because my husband really loves every single thing Dune related, and our love language is sharing media. So oh. I know it's a little That's sweet, a but also. <laughs> read all of Dune. Um, I didn't come out of it a big fan. Okay. Uh, but I really found the most interesting things about the new Dune movie are not the new Dune movie. Like, it's nothing I saw on screen. It's been everything surrounding it. Because um, as Mav and frequent listeners of the pod know, I'm an adaptation scholar. So the dialogue that exists between the movie and the book and all of its sister material, like the David Lynch movie, was really mm-hmm. interesting, um, as well as the fan reaction to this movie mm-hmm. and the media surrounding it, the marketing. So one of the things I'm fascinated by, this was my favorite marketing move I think I've ever seen, because not in a single trailer, not on any movie poster, did they ever say this was Dune Part One. No, so unless you were- They didn't know. They did. No, no, they, they no. They knew they were only doing. They knew what they were doing, but they weren't sure they were going to get the budget for the second half. So this was a, so this was a wing and a prayer. It says it says it on the screen when you start watching it, and you're like, Ugh. I don't think they wanted to scare people away. I think they were trying to like be like, let's do everything we can in order to make people watch this movie because we want to have a second shot. 
I think you're right. I think it was also this movie knew exactly who it was for and everyone else got used so that they could make a second movie. Right. right. <laughs> this movie was only for fans of the Dune universe. If you were a <laughs> fan and you were following the media on this, you knew that this was part one. You knew this was going to be at least a two part series, probably a trilogy. Um, and you They're were well aware of that. Yeah. He's going to try. He's going to try. Oh, to sure, also sure. But. He'll try to get 12, you know, why not? But, um, I don't think so. He is not interested in doing God Emperor. He doesn't want to put that on screen, and thank God for that. But, (laughs) Monica, do you love it yet? Is it working? uh, As much as I do really love the idea of making a love letter, like, to fans, I do feel like. If you're hinging on the success, like the funding was not secured for the sequel. No, so if no, your funding is not secured, just turn up the volume for the first two minutes of that movie so that <laughs> everyone yeah. who got dragged to the theater by their their boyfriend or husband who was really into Dune can at least know what's going on for the next two and a half fucking hours. That's all, that's all I want, please. Because as someone who didn't read the books, but really wanted to invest in the story, I spent a lot of time just trying to get into it because I didn't know like what was happening. And therefore, I felt like a lot of the metaphor like and a lot of the statement that the original book was trying to make was lost on somebody who was an invested audience member. Can we talk a little more about the love letter for the fan concept? Because so here, here's where I'm torn on it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a Dune stan, right? Like that's not, not a fandom that I care about. Um, I, you know, if you are, I'm not disparaging it. Um, I know that there are people who love this and, you know, more power to you. Um, I understand where you're coming from because I am a massive, massive fan of Blade Runner. You know, you know so Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner has... Um, six um six different adaptations that have been that have been pressed on d on dvd i know this because i own all six and i've watched all six (laughs) i've seen all of blade runner um i adore the blade runner 2049 movie blade runner 2049 movie i think is brilliant it's amazing um i've watched it several times and that's and it's by the same director it's by denny villeneuve and here's the thing blade runner 2049 was a fiscally irresponsible decision that should have never been made yes i loved it but like whoever whoever greenlit this was insane because the thing that people don't know about the original blade runner is it lost a whole lot of money nobody saw the original blade runner it was it it, it was a it was a horrible failure that became like not i mean it's something of a cult classic but it's not even a massive cult classic it's a it's a cult classic um, that is adored by film nerds like me and to a lesser extent by com- by like comic book and science fiction nerds. People, you know, sort of kind of like it, but it's never going to be Star Wars. Right. It's never going to be Star Trek. It's not even going to be Dune. Blade Runner is this niche property that, you know, um, was a financial failure the first time. It's just innovative. Right. And then they make this the sequel and then they're astounded when it lost money because some idiot gave Denny Villeneuve $200 million or $180 million. I think it was, was the budget $180 million to make Blade Runner two. And it's almost three hours long. It's 160 minutes. It's, this is a massively 
horribly irresponsible decision because I can't see the movie personally, you know, 40 million times in order to make this profitable. Like, like, like I, it's just not a, it's not a reasonable decision to make. Um, even though I was using, you know, movie pass at the time. So like now you do the same thing with Dune. And I, I think Monica is right. I think you do have to trick the audience to get the funding because, you know, like who is this for? If you're saying it's for the fans, if you're saying it's for, um, if you're saying mm-hmm. it's a love letter to the fans, oh, then, I don't see that. Uh, you, she, oh, you don't think so? She said it was a love letter to the book. Oh, to the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, even then, if it's a love letter to the book, why? Why do this? Like, why? Why? Why spend one hundred and fifty million dollars to you know make a book that you know like. I'm trying to think like there's books that there's books that I love, you know. Okay, so I'm a I'm a big growing up, like I love the Wizard of Oz books, right? Like the same way that kids today, or not even today, kids ten years ago loved the Harry Potter books. I loved the Wizard of Oz, Oz books growing up. I read them all. And you know, making a movie of TikTok of Oz would be a financially irresponsible decision. That should not happen because only I know what that is. <laughs> like, so why would you do that? Well, I, I mean, I would suggest that what's God they're, Emperor? They're trying to find find the new thing, right? This is what the studio wants. The studio doesn't want an independent property. The studio sees, oh, hey, there's a whole series. If this goes well, awesome. We got it in the bank, right? I mean, they look at they look at the book series, right? Like they look at um, Hunger Games or they look at Game of Thrones or mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they're seeing these things and they're like, oh, yeah, if we can milk this into franchise that's that's probably part of what got it greenlit was because you know or the studio execs are you know really fondly remember the david lynch one and thought yeah cool let's do it again because they're smoking stuff i don't know budget was also just hunger games cost uh, it was three times what deadpool cost it's a it's a bad like if you're actually just and again i'm not saying it wasn't beautiful it was and i'm glad people who are dune fans got this movie because you deserve it good for you but just like like it was I mean, I think that they're going to get a sequel because it did okay um, in a pandemic time. But like, I think that outside of pandemic times, I think they would have it would have been a much harder decision. I honestly do because I don't think I don't think it was going to make it's sitting on like 300 million worldwide right now. And I think that was probably the cap anyway, honestly. But I don't know. I am just I am just I don't even know what to say. (laughs) So you love it. I I just can't believe it. I loved it. Uh I loved it. Um, I also I also loved the David Lynch film which is not a good film no but it's it's, um, it's but fine it's still it's <laughs> held a place in my heart when i was you know 14 years old when it came out you know and it mm-hmm. held a place in my heart and and um i thought uh, i thought it was really cool the only dune head on this show today so um so that the, i don't have anybody to agree with i don't have anybody to back me up <laughs> my husband loved it it's like his new favorite movie and he is a huge dune fan good yeah so i can confirm that dune fans appear to love it <laughs> Yeah. And I know a lot of people who did, um, I should say. And again, I didn't hate it. I mean, like Monica, you said you were just like, you were confused more than anything. You were, it's not like you hated it. Right. No, like I, I really enjoy like sci-fi films that try and do something different. Like I also love Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. I think that is a beautiful movie. I think that for some reason, like I was the target like fan that Dune was trying to bring in and it mm-hmm. fell flat. I think for me, like as a, a costume historian, the big thing that where I couldn't do it was sort of the, the visual homogeny of the entire film in terms of the the costume design and production design felt 
like less than what I was expecting. And I, I mm. do get that some of that is like an intentional world building strategy, mm-hmm. but I also feel like that's something that audiences have really come to expect when it comes to uh, sci-fi and fantasy films is that you're going to feel a little bit more transported via production design and costuming. And for someone who specializes in costuming, like everything felt rappy and gauzy and samey, I I, I suppose, Mm -hmm. instead of ever giving me something new. I agree. It was very monochromatic. And I think, too, one of the reasons Warner Brothers thought that Dune would be such a good movie is because it does have this kind of legacy of being exactly the kind of movie we should enjoy today. Like if Lynch had been able to make his Dune today, it would be Mm -hmm. this spectacle of color and effect and um, very acid trippy kind of visuals. Mm -hmm. And we also just had the Jodorowsky documentary that came out in 2013 about his failed Dune movie, which I think possibly Mm -hmm. is part of this one got made. And it ended up being this very beige movie. I actually liked how it looked a lot. Visually, I actually was, and again, it's a choice. Um, I get that it's a choice and it's a choice to like sort of give the aesthetic of people who live in the desert. I, I, I thought it was beautiful. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a dune stand, but here's where I am sort of in the same camp as Monica. I honestly, I've never read the books. I think I understood it because I did see the Lynch movie. Like I, and I, and I think that if you're making an assumption that I'm doing homework in order to watch your two and a half hour movie, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's a fair assumption. It's just that I'm enough of a nerd that I had seen it before. Yeah. Great adaptation should be enriched by their source and sister material. It shouldn't be required. Yeah. And, and I felt like it was, and I, and, and I, I mean, I've, again, I don't want to take anything away from the people who, who, who uh, liked it, like like Nat's husband, like Mike, right? Um, the the problem is everybody who I've heard rave about it has seen the the original film, has read the books, and um, I don't, and I'm kind of wondering, like. I, I would love for there to be a person out there who is Monica exactly, and then goes, "It was amazing. I had no experience with this whatsoever, and this was this is and this is my new favorite film." And I have I not met that person yet. Experience that I want to compare it to is uh, Goldfinch, which is a book that I loved and a movie mm-hmm. that was an absolute dismal failure financially, <laughs> critically, all across the board. And the whole time I watched the film, I. I came, I had this phenomenon of being like, this isn't like a bad movie. It's actually like a pretty faithful adaptation in terms of all of the plot points, like happening in the order that they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. But you did sort of lose something in that it felt like I was watching a spark notes version of that (laughs) book. Like, because you were losing, like, the large expanses of time in which, like, he's just on drugs in the desert. Like, that's not in the film because they thought that that wasn't important. But there was also this sense of, like, some of the character development was missing despite all of the characters actually being there and having the conversations that they should be having, I don't know, almost verbatim and almost in order as the book. And the whole time I was watching Dune, I had the same sort of phenomenon or same sense of feeling of like, hmm. oh, I, I must be watching the Spark Notes version, which is why it's so interesting that it's it's so long 
And it seems like it's included so much. And yet, as I watched it, it still kind of felt like that's why things were missing and not Mike, you've read it for me. Yeah, but I think I think we're getting into, you know, an issue of adaptation now of uh, the, the adaptation of a uh, of any novel into any dramatic form. Right. You're obviously going to mm-hmm. lose a lot because it's a much smaller form. Uh, a movie is a much smaller form than a novel. And so you're obviously going to lose a lot. And there's no internalness to the to the I mean, there could be you could do a monologue, but then it gets boring. Right. So you, you lose a lot of right. inter- well, that's what, internal. That's what David Lynch did. He, he just let mm-hmm. you hear everybody's everybody's monologue was whispering, you know, the tooth, the tooth, you know, yeah. the tooth. Um, and that was his solution for getting around it's, that. It's problem. a weird choice. It's a weird choice. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't do that here. Um, but I do feel like, you know, by this point in the book, when, where, where the movie stopped, uh, by that point in the book, you're already as a reader, you're already an expert on the planetary ecology of Arrakis. And you know, a lot about like what the sandworms yeah. function is in the overall ecology. And you know, all kinds of things about Imperial yeah. politics and in terms of the overall ecology of Dune. And um, you also know a lot about galactic politics. You know a lot about the emperor. You know a lot about what the Harkonnens are up to. Just a lot more than just what um, what you saw in the movie. You know, so obviously you're going to lose stuff. And um, you could say the same thing about the Lord of the Rings movie, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie. It, it left out a lot of stuff. Left out Pom, Tom Bombadil, and we were all upset that it left out Tom Bombadil. But you know, at the end of the day, you just got to go forward, even if it doesn't have Tom Bombadil in it. And and we talked about this when we've talked about Lord of the Rings. I am not upset that they left out Bombadil because it didn't, you know, like turns out you didn't need him to tell the story. Turns out you didn't, you know, like, I mean, like it's, it, it books are different. You made an adaptation and it's true. Like, yes, I get that if you are a massive fan of the lore and Dune has a lot of lore, right? That's a lot of lore. Um, yeah, then I get why you might want more of that, but then I, I don't know, you know, if, if I've already done that homework, then sure, I guess make a $150 million movie for you, but that can't, but that can't be for everybody. And I don't know, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay to do that because, because I did love BR 2049, like Blade Runner 2049, I think is brilliant. Um, and I think it's a lot of intricacy and I mean, I, yeah, it, it, you know, like I it totally just agree it was you. a really bad decision, but it is artistically beautiful. And if you're into that kind of hard science fiction that that is Dune, I guess that's that's a good thing. I, I don't, I, I can't begrudge you that. But I do feel like Blade Runner twenty forty nine like had a fair amount of like set up set up exposition for people who yes. didn't rewatch the movie before they went to the theater. In the same way that like if we're going to do a Star Wars comparison, those that 30 second little like scroll that happens at the beginning of every Star Wars movie is actually just so incredibly helpful if you just read it. Like I spent all of Dune being like, I still don't understand the sandworms. (laughs) I don't know why there are so many sandworms. I I didn't know that there was an an ecological perspective to the sandworms (laughs) until now. And I actually think that I would have enjoyed the movie more had someone sat me down and talked to me more about the sandworms because instead they just took up a lot of screen time eating things. 
That's true. And, you know, the the um, there is something about the, the David Lynch film that actually does a better job of conveying this, um, that the spice smells like cinnamon and the worms also smell like cinnamon. And that that's a huge thing mm-hmm. in the novel and also in the David Lynch film, but not in this film. And people wander around just talking about it, about it for no apparent reason. He, he controls the worms. You know, like you, like there's like little things like that. I think that help. Yeah. Like they're just in this movie, they're just a monster to be scared of. Um, and again, presuming they get at least well, we know they're getting at least one more movie. I presume it will be explained in pacing because this really, this really does feel like a part one of a movie. This was a hell mary shot. If he didn't get funding for this second movie, he would have been screwed because this. I mean, not only is it not, con- it it is such a sequel bait movie. It ends in mid scene basically <laughs> is that fair i mean it, it there's no there's no ending to this stick with me here but i think that mm-hmm. also would have been okay because it would have played into the dune mythology of like this is a book so complex it could never be made so the dune fandom would have taken the fact that this movie didn't get a sequel and be like ugh these silly plebes just didn't understand it <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, I mean, still you want to be a Snyder cut guy? Like sure. Because that's what that sounds like. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it still would have been a wild success within the Dune fandom, even if it didn't get a second movie. Yes. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, it, probably because, like, you are right, because Blade Runner fans love BR 2049, and we know there's not going to a Blade Runner 2050. That's not, not going to happen. Like, like they, like maybe in like 35 years, whoever is the new Denny Villeneuve will be like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this homage film to this thing. Like, once I can find a sucker to give me funding for it, I'm, you know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so maybe, maybe. We would have gotten another documentary called Villeneuve's Dune and it would have been great. <laughs> you guys are, be you fun. guys make salient points. I have to say, you're making very salient points. And I certainly don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, you plebes didn't understand it, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying that I, I did understand it. I really liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I, and I want some of that, like, cause I, it, it is, it has been a remarkably successful film for a pandemic era film. Like it is, it, it's doing okay. It, it's doing, it, it's doing great uh, worldwide, in fact. And I, you know, I, I do think that means something. And I do think that for what is, frankly, a kind of inaccessible movie as far as these things go um, I think it is important that it is getting the kind of play and the kind of recognition you know outside of its fan base there are people trying to understand it so that's good right I mean like there, yeah. like it does uh, in fact Mike yeah. and Natalie and Nicole if you guys want to talk about some of the you know, the ecological themes, for instance, you know, that should matter or does it not matter because you can't get it if you don't already know the answer. Like, and that's where, that's where I'm torn, right? Like, like if Monica's saying, I didn't understand what the sandworms are for, does that mean that there is no point? Because if, if it's, if it's only a message for people who got it anyway, then is that a failure or a success? I don't know what to do with that. See what I'm saying? I, I mean, that was sort of my big frustration was, I mean, Nicole brought up like, why did the studios pick this? film right now and hearing us talk about it I'm like wow there were a lot of statements where like this is a movie about environmentalism there this is a movie about colonialism and those are topics that are I guess for lack of a better word topical right mm-hmm. so so I'm not I didn't pick up on that which means that those those big statements and those big conversations that we should be having are getting lost a little bit 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And you're looking. I mean, and Monica is somebody who like you're not, you know, you're not a film novice, right? You've got a degree, and so if you're looking, if you're good, and you knew not only that, and you knew you were going to watch this so as to talk about it on a podcast, so you're going there <laughs> to do homework. And I think that you know, I think there's a frustration if you're missing it. You know, is anybody wandering into a Dune movie off the street saying, "Hey, people are talking about this"? I, you know. Why don't I go give this a shot? And then coming a, coming away with a takeaway that is meaningful. Probably not. I actually, um, I walked out of the theater thinking that this was a good adaptation because my husband really liked it. And I thought it was a pretty good movie. Like I enjoyed myself at it. Uh-huh. But the more I heard film reviewers and people who, who were talking about the movie, talking about how it was just a white savior narrative, it was guilty of Orientalism. And the more I heard fans of the book screaming back, oh, well, that's the whole point. You didn't get it the more I realized that that's not in the movie. So how are people supposed to get it? Like if it shows up in the movies, it's not going to show up until later. Uh, Villeneuve could have done a better job setting it up in the first movie. He could have done a better job um, setting us up for the subversion that the Dune books give us. And he didn't. And I don't know why he didn't. I don't know if it was a creative choice. I don't know if he was just not making a movie for everyone. And the fans already knew this, so he didn't need to put it in. I'm curious, Mike, you you have been critical of white savior narratives before. So absolutely. So you, I assume, well, I don't know. I shouldn't put words in your mouth. I assume no. you would say you got what he was going for, but again, you've read all the books. So I don't know yeah. what the answer no, is. Speaking as a fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I am not going to defend the whole um, the I'm not going to say that the white savior narrative critique of Dune is wrong. I think that's absolutely right. I'm not going to say that it's perfect. I'm also a critical thinker. And I agree that that Dune is vulnerable to the Mm -hmm. white savior narrative critique. It uh, it is it is very blatant in this. It's a very white white savior kind of thing. So no, uh, I you know I'm definitely not going to defend Dune against that um, that mm-hmm. particular critique because it's totally valid. Yeah, it is a white savior narrative that is a big problem uh, with this, and it gets that's one of the parts that doesn't age very well. Sorry, just I suddenly thinking about how we have we have Paul and Jessica as opposed to you know Raban and Fayed and yeah. you know. Uh, it, I am I am very frequently um, and this is where it's where I get in trouble because people I'm not being apologetic for white savior narratives. I think they have a place. I think that um, I think they're okay long as you actually have the critical conversation because I think they matter, right? Like white people need heroes too, you know, so <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it. Um, I don't know. I do think we are having the conversation because there are a bunch of think pieces on the web written about it, right? But I am also kind of questioning as to, you know, do people who aren't us read these think pieces? I, I do want to throw out there that like just because his name is Paul doesn't mean you have to cast Timothy Chalamet. Like we still made a lot of artistic yeah. decisions that continued to reinforce old conversations in a way that uh, a colorblind casting wouldn't have. And to me, yeah. you're still able to tell the same story because oh, it, right. it's a white savior narrative, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. 
I suppose. Yeah, there's there's space aliens. Retell the story of Dune. And yeah. If you're trying to retell Dune as told by Frank Herbert, though, it is important that he's white because Dune is yeah. a subversion of the savior narrative. Like the point of Dune is that these are the bad guys. Like not to spoil Dune Part Two for anyone, but the Atreides are the bad guys. Oh. Well, now I don't have to watch the other eight-hour second movie. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and but that's the question, right? Like, because I knew that, and it does matter, or it doesn't, because how much? Um, and, and Natalie knows this. You know, what's the job of the adaptation? Right? Is the adaptation to retell this exact story that you had exactly as the original author meant it, or is the adaptation to give you Villeneuve's new vision? Is his new vision exactly the same as Herbert's was? Which is a which is a choice. You know, like I don't know what he's doing because because he made me watch half a movie <laughs> you know and, yeah. I, and I you know and i'm and yeah, we'll like find out the theme of the story it's like the it's, right. it's the theme of dune if you're not gonna take that part of dune then you're just doing star wars again yeah it, which you know frankly would have been a financial decision that hollywood would be behind i don't think I, I don't think that's what's happening because I don't think Villeneuve would do it, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think he wants to just do Star Wars. So that's what. So I think there. I I I think you're right. I think the subversion's coming, but it wasn't in this movie. And, I mean, and that's a choice all on its own, right? Yeah. Is that you've chosen not to foreshadow because I clearly had no idea. Okay, so I'll look at another thing. I um, I taught a class today, just not a, not a lit class, not a film class. I just taught a regular freshman writing class. And as the class was ending, just uh, sometimes the students will stay after and just chat with me. And a couple of uh, a couple of my students, I am um, just stopped to ask me if I'd seen Dune, and I did. And and and, they, and they're like, and, you know, and then they asked, uh, I asked them if they liked it. And this one girl, one of my students, she's like, I was all right. And I was like, well, what was wrong? And she was like, well, I'm a huge Zendaya fan, and she's all over the poster, you know, and she's she's barely in the movie and so so clearly she doesn't know the story of dune before this she's 18 years old she does she doesn't know what the story of dune is she doesn't know she's not read the book so you know when she comes back to see this new movie um and she's like and she also says she you know she likes timothy chalamet you know who um i will quibble i i will say anytime you cast timothy chalamet that is an artistic decision he is a very pretty boy you know and like and you've chosen him to be this pretty boy and if you subvert that in another movie in two years and you know now are you just pissing off the audience that paid money to see Timothy Chalamet and, and Zendaya kiss one day because that's what they're hoping for you know like that's what that's what they paid for look I'm a 50 year old man and I didn't think there was enough Zendaya in this film either <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was only seven minutes of Zendaya but I do think that Villeneuve did make a very important artistic choice when he replaced Irland's opening with with uh, Chani's at the beginning. Uh, he gave Irland's voiceover to Chani, um, yeah. which if you've seen the David movie, it's kind of an iconic opening scene. Irland kind of speaking over this like vast, empty space telling you a little bit about Arrakis. And instead, we gave it to Chani on her home planet in the midst of a raid against a spice harvester, which I think repositions the narrative right from the get-go that this is going to be a story more about Arrakis than about these international space politics, which is, I think, the one thing Villeneuve did to set up that white savior subversion. Yes, except one thing here. And here's the, here's the flaw because we're going to return to it again. Monica has seen the film. You've seen the first 20 minutes twice, right? 
Oh, yeah. So I fell okay. asleep the first time, not because the HBO server crashed. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that said, you've seen the first 20 minutes twice. Did you understand all the words that Nat just said? I do now. Did I understand yeah. it upon first viewing? No. Yeah. Did I put <laughs> subtitles on so that I could watch it when I realized that this was going to be real quiet and I was going to have to listen real close? Also, yes. So, Which, And this is very much a movie that probably wants to be watched in IMAX where you don't have sub subtitles. And now you're in like, and if you, and you're going to use words like Chani and Arrakis and people are like, what are you talking about? Because now, and now I'm not, I'm not sure. Do they say Chani's name in this movie? I don't think do, so. I don't think they don't, ever say I, her name. I can't remember whether they do they, or not. They may say it, but at the, in like the last 15 minutes when yeah. she's yeah. no longer a dream and a dream. she's an actual person. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that's and, when they say it one time. And I'm not, yeah, you know, and I'm not sure they do. That's the problem. I'm not sure it's actually in this movie. And I'm, you know, and it, or is it just something that I know? And that's kind of that's kind of weird, right? Like I don't know how to like if you're gonna have a character with no name, it's got to be part of the story, right? If you're gonna have the bride and Kill Bill, or if you're gonna have um, you know Clint Eastwood in all of his movies, right? Where he's just the you know he's just the man, the stranger. Like if you're gonna to do that it's part of the story and i think i think there's a little bit of who's that mysterious girl but i think a lot of it is well you know who she is you read the book and i you know yeah. <laughs> and that's the problem <laughs> yeah i don't think this movie was for everyone i think it was for people who have mm-hmm. consumed every piece of dune media over the last what's been like 60 years now when did that book come out uh, uh, 65 wow okay so almost 60 years yeah it's yeah, so for people who have read every book, seen every movie in sci-fi miniseries, read every comic, played the TTRPG, <laughs> and somehow convinced everyone they know to go with them to the theater. Well, I'm glad there's media for us too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I I mean I I liked the film and I mean I agree it was it was beautifully it was beautifully done it was it was a bit meandering and and yes it's very obvious that it's just a part one I mean I I sort of was looking at it thinking I I kind of wish that it was rather than you know a, a film that we were getting like you know a, a twelve or thirteen episode series right like mm-hmm. a you know, like we got with with um with Daredevil or or something like that. Um okay. that that there is an overarching storyline, but we have like these smaller things and and I think that because what they're doing is building the world and growing, you know, developing the characters. And while that's really worthwhile, you you do have to kind of be invested in it. And I think I I, I guess I am a little surprised at this at sort of the success of it because I'm so used to movies that are that are faster paced and and louder and flashier being more successful so i mean i guess i'm kind of glad that it was that it's doing well even if it's you know just people who like you and who drag their friends to <laughs> i watched it i watched it at home on H, uh, on hbo and oh, me too. Um, oh my god it's so dark that's the problem that's the problem i had is that mm-hmm. if you're watching it at home i mean in the theater the darkness it, you know the theaters are so dark that it's not mm-hmm. as bad but for me i was i sort of kept hearing it's what's going on what's going on of course 
I'm also getting old. So, <laughs> well, so it has it has made more than Blade Runner 2049 did. It, it's already made more. It's already beat it on a similar budget. So, you know, that's that's a success. Um, I will, to be fair, as much of a fan as I've, I've talked about of what of that film as I am. Um, and I'm curious about Monica. You said it's one of your favorite movies as well. I it probably should have been a TV series instead of a, instead of a movie. It would have been better served pacing wise. Blade, Blade Runner 2049 would have worked better nine if it were like nine hours of one hour television you know or or even six than what they did because there are there are bits that he had to cut that like hurt the story like characters sort of teleport sometimes because like there's they just have you know their scenes of like where their backstory was is just sort of moved out like there's there are a few problems with Blade Runner um to Blade Runner 2049 that like I acknowledge and I wonder if um I think that we're moving into an era of prestige tv where um we're quickly moving like right now they're dunes on screen because people have been waiting since that first film to put Dune on the big screen again. And it's like, Oh wow, we finally got our Dune movie is a thing. But I don't know that, I don't know that we're going to have, Oh wow. We finally got our movie as the pinnacle of adaptation for much longer. Mm-hmm. I, I exist in a strange space because I, Obviously, from our uh, IOTC strike episode, um, we talked a lot about the constraints that it ends up putting on film labor by mm-hmm. choosing to do adaptations under new media stre- like streaming and expecting mm-hmm. this like the same level quality out of what is essentially a ten-hour big studio movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but under, you know, all of the loopholes of what we're making television. However, that being said, if we are talking entirely about serving the narrative, Mm -hmm. Dune was one where I was like, this absolutely kind of wasn't meant to be a movie. Like this was meant to be a TV series because I spent Mm -hmm. the whole time being like, oh, someone else is, uh, is dying. Great. Like, because I, I didn't have the time to ever invest in any of those people or the relationships that they had built to understand the tragedy of them dying and the sacrifice that they were making throughout the film. And and that's just something that can't happen with, without giving more screen time. So, so this was one where like, mm, I, I exist in a tricky place where I don't want to tell you that it should be a miniseries, but it should be a miniseries. Well, I mean, you don't want to tell us that it should be a miniseries because the laws that govern how miniseries are currently made are awful, right? Like, but it's not the, that's not the film's fault. That's the that's Hollywood's or not even Hollywood. That's the film studios, the television studios, the the screening service, the streaming services doing the wrong thing. And that could be fixed in a way that does not have to do with the narrative structure problem of the film, right? Like it's a, it's, it's legalness and economics Absolutely. versus art. Absolutely. I, I think it's more that you're like the, the prestige TV is the place that we are all sort of like aiming towards being like a true adaptation or right. the best adaptation is going to be a long adaptation. And it's just, that's really going to get so, tricky when we talk about the actual realities of fans saying that that is uh, the ultimate or the goal. So my thought was watching this, there is a point there are points in this film 
like when the first time they escape uh what's the name of the of the when the, fir- the first time they go into the desert and Oscar Isaacs pilots them out um as they're att- as they're att- as the worms are attacking the first time yeah. and Timothy Chalamet goes and stares at the wall yeah huh? what about it what's what's the name of that I just, what's the name of the city I just couldn't remember <laughs> um the city's um, name is Arakeen Arakeen yeah so the first time they escape Arakeen um like that's clearly the end of an episode like it's pa- it's not paced like a scene in the movie it's paced like and then they you know they have to go rescue him and and they make it to the and they make it back to the ship just in time and like that's the end of an episode that is a chapter closing that is paced way more like tv than it is like film at least for me it's not it's it's the end of an episode it's the curtain drops in the play and now you have intermission right like it, it feels weird to just have a scene right after that. What I was going to say is that there actually was a Dune miniseries. Uh, yes, I on sci-fi. mentioned it. Yeah, mm-hmm. on sci-fi. And um, uh, I thought it was paced really well. I thought it, I, I liked it. I don't know what people think about it. But I, yeah. And so I, I think you're right. I okay. think you guys are both probably right. It would make a really good miniseries mm-hmm. or long series, not like a Game of Thrones series. Mm-hmm. I liked the sci-fi miniseries. Um, I think this movie would have made a good miniseries. I think there's enough material. We could have a whole Game of Thrones episode television show though and it would be excellent yeah well, i agree well, and if he does <laughs> If he does 250 movie, well, 155 minute movies, including credits, right? So, which is what this is. This is a two and a half hour movie. He does another two and a half hour movie. That's five hours of television. That's what a miniseries is, right? Like he's, you know, sure, you're producing them as a film and you're making people pay 20 bucks to go see it, but it's still, that's how movies work. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's how much time would be on TV, particularly with commercials. Well, it looks like we've solved nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, you got the line. Somebody, somebody had to You're say. You're officially it. no longer a guest. <laughs> I'm a co-host. Yay! I've been yeah. living here in the in this closet for three years, and now I'm finally a co-host. I don't know. It's I. I do like it. Like I said, I I, I like that it exists, and I, I think my my take on this is yes. I get that I didn't love it, but not all media needs to be for me either. Like, even though, you know, so, that's, so I'm okay with not loving it. Well, no, I mean, I, th- I would, I would use that criticism if it were something that I, you know, there are a lot of things that I love, like, you know, um, <laughs> Riverdale is the best show on television. Everybody knows that, but like Manimal, I don't expect other people to like Manimal, you know, Mike likes Manimal. I like Manimal. I, and I, like Manimal. I think that there's a, I, I think there's a lot of brilliance to Manimal. But if people are like, oh, God, why? Why are you watching this? Yeah, I get that. I get it. <laughs> you know, and, and frankly, I, he's uh, a man and, frankly, and I get an it animal, real, right? Like what's not to get? Yes, he's a great. man and an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, I, I, but I, I don't think everything needs to be for me. And so I, I, I just sort of I love that like studios took a swing on Dune. Like I love that they're like, yeah, let's try this thing. And Denis Villeneuve, I think, is a great director. And, you know, I, I wish people would give me one hundred and fifty million dollars to make weird ass movies because that's what he's what he's the guy for that now. <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't know how he I don't know how he manages to pull that off, but, you know, good for him, I guess. Just jealous. I'm, I'm totally jealous. You know, <laughs> seriously, give me. I, I get it. Me too. <laughs> he gave me that much money. I would do an awesome Dresden miniseries. I'm just saying. Monica, your, your fiance is an actual filmmaker. What would he do with a, with one hundred and fifty million dollars? <laughs> 
that's, that's the question we ask ourselves every yeah, day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he would love that, right? You know, so you know, sure. <laughs> you know, like I'm, like I, like I, you know, I, I, I can't be too critical of what it is because I do think it's artistic and beautiful. But I also thought that there was a lot of. I, I think it's got a lot of really good reviews, and it's got a lot of acclaim. And it also, if you look, watch the box office, it had a 60 something, 70% drop from week one to week two in America because everyone who wanted to see it saw it that first weekend. And that was the audience. That was it. We're out of people now. So, so like it really was a move for the fans and the fans alone, I guess. I'm actually going to go watch it again just to see if it was as bad as you guys say it was. I don't think it was bad. I just think it was hard to understand. Gonna rewatch it. I really wanted to rewatch it before this episode, and I just couldn't figure out HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure it out if I got it with a free trial or if I needed to steal someone. So I just didn't. <laughs> but I do want to rewatch it. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure your husband will watch it with you. You said he loves it, or he can go oh, on a date with Mike, like once a week for the next yeah. five years, I think, until the next. Uh, I'll go, like, on, a, go, on, go on a date, date with Mike, which would be nice. You yeah. know, I'll go on a date with your husband, and we can watch Dune, <laughs> and we could just geek out about it. I'll fly him out to you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us guys as always <laughs> uh, Natalie anything you want to plug um, no no thanks <laughs> I got I got nothing I got nothing going on guys Stay tuned uh, in like three years. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chambers, what about you? Yes. Uh, the Center for Monster Studies is about to release a podcast uh, called The Show Where I They Talk that. The Show Where They Talk About <laughs> Monsters. So please um, go to monsterstudies.ucsc.edu. Um, Nicole, what about you? Anything you want to plug? Uh, well, I will say that the submissions are open for the National Popular Culture Conference. It's going to be virtual. It will be held in April from the 13th to the 16th. There are over a hundred different areas. So there's something you could find that you you like. If you want to uh, submit, go to PCAACA.org and you can find a list of areas, information for submitting. Um, It's a really fun conference. And Mm -hmm. even though we're virtual this year, we're still a lot of fun when we're virtual. It's a super fun conference and I I will be there. (laughs) Um, and Nicole will be there and Monica you'll be there right I'll be there yeah I'll look into it possibly the other Vox oh okay wonderful Nat you gonna do it this year if it's virtual I'm yeah, so it's fun and it's a big part of why this show exists. So always good to have uh, Monica Marvelous. What about you? Uh, you know, I just had an article come out this week uh, with ah, my yeah. favorite public scholarship website, the Middle Spaces. Second favorite after this one. Second, second favorite <laughs> after the podcast. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny because even though we do write blogs every week i don't i'm always like well, i'm not doing scholarship but like it is we're a pseudo academic <laughs> podcast it's scholarship <laughs> damn it um <laughs> so yes, on you my have a new second favorite spaces. public scholarship website the middle spaces uh, i had an article come out this week about uh spider-man and mary jane's 1987 wedding and the wedding dress designed by willie smith and uh the legacy of willie smith the designer and i would love it if you checked it out because because Willie Smith deserves uh, infinite amounts of credit for his 
uh, work in the fashion industry. And this was, if I understand it correctly, and I know I do because I read because I, I read this clever article was, on the middle space. Well. <laughs> um, this was his final design. Yes, it was his final design uh, that was unveiled two months after his death. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, linked in the show notes, of course, along with everything else. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out what we're talking about next week and you can leave us comments. You can let us know your thoughts on the topics. We can address them during the show. We sometimes choose guests from the comments. You can pitch new show ideas to us. You can tell us, you know, you should do a show on just like Natalie did for this show. That's how we end up doing a show on Dune. And if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm that makes us more popular, helps other people find the show, and makes us happy. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a long, sad world that I live in, and I need happiness. You you have no idea how delighted that I get when I, when I, when I hear people like you know write to us or mention my name i had the best thing happen today earlier i got, I got like a auto notification from academia.edu which said um and this is this sums up my entire career in academia was summed up by this notification that i got today the name chris maverick is mentioned in a pdf uploaded to academia.edu by someone interested in gay yep <laughs> that's what I got today. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I am so proud of that. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Anyway. Um, As established by the David Lynch film, everything is better when, <laughs> when, when, when it's gay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if you have clever things to, th- to say like that, leave us a review. Say, I love this show. Very gay. <laughs> That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Five stars. I'd like to thank Maximilian of Botform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank all of our guests for joining us once again. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Do the rules. <laughs> <laughs>